and welcome to episode six, chapter five of the Jordan's Pathway podcast. Jordan's Pathway is the true life story of Jordan, a boy diagnosed with autism, a book written by his grandmother, Caroline Frankie and Roland Bush Cavell. And I'm your host, Roland Bush Cavell. This podcast is a chapter by chapter reading of Jordan's Pathway. We hope you enjoy it. And if you require further information, please do either visit jordanspathway.co.uk and Jordan is spelt J-O-R-D-O-N or visit Amazon where Jordan's Pathway is available in paperback and in Kindle versions. This is Jordan's story. Chapter 5. Learning Difficulties. We left the centre clutching leaflets and a book that the doctor had loaned to us. A book that gave some explanations as to what autism was and the medical perspective, but held no information as to how one could care for and communicate with an autistic child. Retracing our steps to the car, both of us were actually in a state of shock, emotionally stunned and without any kind of clue as to what to do next. More than anything, we had questions. Most importantly, what did all this mean for Jordan? The doctor had told us there was a National Autistic Society and that we could contact them for further information. But other than that, we had no idea as to what we should do next. The journey back was like returning through fog. We did not know where we were headed or what direction to take. The first thing we did on returning from the centre was to sit down and talk about what we had heard. We did not really know what was expected of us, and despite having a diagnosis, in many ways it served only to make us feel initially lost. But we needed to find a way forward and to decide upon a plan. So we called the National Autistic Society, learning that it is a charitable organisation helping people with autism and their families, and they were very helpful in, in sending us relevant information. As a consequence, we made more telephone calls, furthering our research and learning as much as we could about the immediate prospects for Jordan and what forms of help were available for his education and development. One quite shocking revelation, as we later learned, was that a diagnosis does not automatically secure help from your local authority. Help for autistic children at school in England is based on need, not diagnosis, and therefore you firstly need to compile a statement of special needs and then speak with your local authority's special educational needs coordinator to secure extra help for your child at school. That means that there is no guarantee an autistic child will get the kind of schooling they need, and while some local authorities provide excellent care for autistic children, others give the bare minimum. We also later learned that it meant many parents of autistic children bringing up sons and daughters who place huge demands on the family are constantly competing with each other for places in schools where a better standard of care is provided. Some parents even have to resort to legal battles to gain appropriate care for their children, meaning local authorities, their managers, solicitors and parents alike are spending time and money wrangling resources that could be better spent serving the children themselves. However, those are all concerns that would have to wait for the future. As luck would have it, our particular local authority did provide more than just the bare minimum of care. And at just over two years old, having faced so many problems, Jordan's diagnosis enabled us to access, for the first time, some of the autism-specific support he so desperately needed. Over the course of the next few months, we heard from the local authority's early intervention team. Members of the team discussed the relevant services available for Jordan with Lisa and it transpired that there was a speech and language unit that might aid him. There was also a service where specially trained staff came with appropriate toys and played with the children in your own home. 
This served to occupy Jordan for a limited amount of time each week. They were both important, but we felt Jordan needed an intervention that was more relevant to his requirements, and the services were simply not intense enough for his level of need. What we did learn was that this intervention had all been set up by the doctor who had first broken the news of Jordan's diagnosis to us, and my mind went back to that day and the big box of tissues she placed by our side. They were not merely a token gesture, she had delivered real help, and we were very grateful for it. Merely having trained professionals to talk to meant that we could share our concerns, and this in itself helped us in relieving some of the burden. As time progressed and we learned more about the system, At the age of three, we were able to secure Jordan a place at a special needs nursery, not too far from home. This meant that a few days a week, for a couple of hours each time, we were able to get the specialist care he needed to progress. The diagnosis also meant that we were able to push for further support. We were very lucky. At the time, Lisa was learning as much as she could about autism, and part of this process was attending support groups. One such meeting was for parents of young, disabled and autistic children. The group was funded by the local council and one man who attended turned out to be the head representative of Parents of Autistic Children Training and Support, otherwise known as PACTS, a program that originated in the USA and was being adopted in the UK at the time. Funded by the local authority, they were able to supply home tutors to parents who qualified for support. So we applied and were successful in securing the PACTS program for Jordan. The added benefit was that the PAX tutors would come and teach Jordan at home. So, from the age of four onwards, in the months up until it was time for him to go to school, he received this specialist support for three mornings every week. The PAX programme tutors were marvellous and spent those valuable hours teaching Jordan to recognise colours, vocabulary and all the concepts he had not yet grasped. This was a revelation and would aid his development so much setting him up for school on a much firmer footing than we could have hoped to do alone. To this day, I do not have enough praise for these magnificent people. One in particular was very understanding and effective in dealing with Jordan, and we will remain eternally grateful for all the loving kindness, patience and tuition she and the other tutors poured into my grandson. When the programme was up and running, Jordan would sit the other side of a very small table, interacting with his tutors as best he could. Here he learned concepts such as over and under, the names of shapes and objects, and because the tutors were specially trained to help autistic children, Jordan actually caught on very quickly. Even though he was still unable to talk, Jordan's ability to understand words improved immensely under the PACTS scheme, and we were asked to supply materials that would help with the learning process. So Lisa and I often found ourselves on missions to search out reference tools for the programme. The PACTS tutor would tell us what stage Jordan had got to at any one time and the next lesson would involve a particular focus. Knowing this, we might then have a day's notice to dash out and find items for reference. Sometimes this could be a great rush for us all, but it was wonderful to be involved in doing something that we knew could help Jordan, especially as we could see daily progress as a result of the PACT methods. So it was that we would find ourselves dashing out by animals, cars, toys, aeroplanes, tractors and trains, anything that could be used by the tutor to improve Jordan's vocabulary. We would be called upon to supply cups, glasses, vases, and all brought into the tuition room by us so that Jordan could learn to name and differentiate between objects, learning how to identify food, fruit, and the names of hundreds of everyday items that he had hitherto ignored. Gradually, his tuition room filled with all manner of items, toys, auditory and sensory stimulation, educational tools, things that flashed, toys that beat, 
everything that you could imagine that would introduce the world to Jordan and tune him into the nature of all the things around him. It soon began to look as though an eccentric hoarder had decided to assemble their collection of random objects into one small room. As the program progressed, so did Jordan's ability to discern. The items we were called upon to provide became more specific, and we were soon supplying fabrics with different patterns so that Jordan could learn the difference between a stripe and a repeated pattern, between rough and smooth, light and heavy. The auditory stimulus included rattles and bells, and the tutor even placed an alarm clock on the table so that Jordan could learn to tell the time, as well as understand the concept of it all the better. When the bell rang, the session was over. All the while, Jordan would sit through the session, and it has to be said he was incredibly well behaved with the PACT's programme tutor. Initially, they could not get Jordan to sit down, but they had been schooled in how to gain a response, and Jordan was soon working very well with them. After a short while, Jordan could respond to a request to identify a number or an object placed on the table in front of him. This in itself was a minor miracle, and these miracles kept coming. The program then extended beyond everyday objects and took Jordan into the world of emotion, identifying and articulating facial expressions so he could associate feelings, something we had great difficulty in helping him identify with, and with the way people looked and acted. I can honestly say that if we're not for the learning techniques and additional time and attention the PACT program devoted to Jordan, he simply wouldn't be where he is today. They gave him a tremendous starting point, and we recognised that things were going marvellously well in his education. It provided Lisa, Brian and myself a ray of hope to see his progress and, most importantly, showed us that he could be taught. Further education. The PACT's program was an intensive but short course, a few months that were essential in laying the foundation for Jordan's education. It was a breakthrough in his development, yet despite this progress, Jordan had still only spoken one word and we had many more daily challenges to face. The autistic spectrum encompasses a wide range of difficulties and severity in all the areas that it affects in the child's life. Thankfully, there is hope for many in learning how to communicate with their child. Parents, and in my case, grandparents of autistic children are used to this and the underlying and seemingly insurmountable problem you are faced with is that of communication. This is where the predominant battle lies in establishing a connection between the child's mind, their internal landscape and the outside world. Achieving these connections is far more easily said than done. It can take years of patience and every autistic child is at a very different point on the spectrum. So, communication problems vary hugely in severity, and they range from those autistic children who do not speak at all, to those whose speech is well-developed and can hold conversations. The PACTS program showed us how essential it is to reach out to an autistic child as soon as possible. Developing early communication skills helps them in overcoming what will otherwise develop into frustrations, which boil over into rebellion and tantrums. The recognised methods for achieving this cover a broad spectrum. Communication can develop by taking as simple a course as using pictures and pointing or using advanced techniques such as sign language. The nature and severity of the problem differs for every child and many autistic children are greatly delayed in developing speech. So in later life, autistic adults display a wide range of speech behaviours. Some will never utter a word. Some will speak barely at all. 
Some will talk in whispers. Some can only sing their words or otherwise remain silent, while others still, like Jordan, are capable of speech, but their development is held back by their autism. For Jordan, speech came slowly, and we did not know at any point how far he would progress. All autistic behaviour is like this. No matter how hard you try, you have no early indications as to how successful you will be, nor when that success might come. Tomorrow or 10 years from now. The first stage in his communication development was when he learned to point to things he wanted. Although that may sound like a very small thing, for us it was huge. It meant he could at last tell us if he needed something. It didn't happen overnight. He started to learn to point at around six years of age and develop the skill gradually thereafter. After Jordan learned to point, speech did gradually come, but it was very slow indeed. Mum had been his first word uttered when he was four years old, and at home in his usual class with the Pact's tutors. They had immediately told Lisa the news. Progress had been made, yet he was not to repeat this word outside of the classroom for a long while to come. Years later, just when he repeated just that same word again, then slowly, piece by piece, individual words were added, and nowadays you can quite easily hold a short conversation with Jordan if the topic is of interest to him and provided, of course, as a typical teenager, he is in the mood to talk to you. Even so, to some, Jordan's speech remains unintelligible, unrecognisable, slightly guttural, often overly loud, robotic language that takes a while to tune into. Sometimes Jordan is unable to pronounce a word because of his difficulties in using his tongue to speak with. The letters L and R are particularly challenging and for quite some time he would avoid them, and still does to a certain extent today. So often Robert is said as Wobbert, Lauren as Warren, with a very soft R uttered from the back of the throat. Train is Twain, and Lovely is more like Wovely. And so his sister Lauren remains a rather endearing to hear, Wovely Warren. Even today, Jordan can say whole sentences and the meaning will still elude us. This is not helped by his habit of talking very quickly. He reads very fast indeed. At school, his teachers have recognised that because reading out loud takes a lot of effort, he will rush through it, going as quickly as he possibly can to get it over with. When we asked Jordan why this was, he told us that he prefers to read to himself. We know that this is because it is extra work for him to verbally express the words that are in his head. When he is talking to me, despite continuous improvement, I will sometimes have to ask Jordan to slow down. And bless him, he does. To avoid embarrassment, I put it to him that Nan needs you to speak slowly, Jordan. I am old and cannot hear you. It's okay. I will speak slowly. And then he will slow his speech down considerably out of consideration for me. I sometimes use this technique to see how Jordan's spelling is progressing. I'm sorry, Jordan, I don't understand that word. Could you spell it for me, please? He dutifully does so, spelling the word letter by letter. Another complication. Even now that Jordan has learned to understand what we say and can, in turn, make himself understood, there is another layer of complication. Language to Jordan is very much like a tool he picks up and puts down. When he addresses us or we address him, we will very often use stock phrases, 
triggering conditioned responses. This overcomes any need for him to think things through. However, we are careful to stretch his mind and his vocabulary. So Lisa and Brian will talk to him as much as possible, and so will I, verbalising, communicating, opening him up to new ideas and seeking his opinion, pushing him to respond and engage with us. However, this approach can often reveal how alien language is to him as a method of communication. So the casual inquiry, would you like an orange juice, Jordan, could be met with a response, no thank you, Nan, I don't want to go to the shops. His mind is associating orange juice in a familiar situation on the shelves of a supermarket. And this shows how associations in his brain do not occur naturally. He has to think hard and if he gets it wrong, when questioned further, he will think harder or he might retreat. No more talking. He will have recognised that he misspoke and be upset, feeling slightly awkward, we suspect. Later on, you may receive continuous apologies for his getting the answer wrong and committing what he sees as a misdemeanour. He feels insecure if what he verbally brings into our world sounds confused. Recognising that he has not made sense triggers some feeling of awkwardness because he is unable to explain what is in his mind, as it highlights his inability to communicate as he would like to. If Jordan feels awkward, his apologies can be constant, repeated every few minutes for quite literally hours at a time. I'm sorry I said shops, could be said so often that it becomes like some form of mental torture. Many behaviours can trigger this. If he is disobedient, he will apologise. If he shouts, he will apologise. If he triggers his own insecurities by misspeaking, he will apologise. Sometimes it takes a truckload of reassurance before he will accept everything is okay. While we take his hands in our own, asking him to look into our eyes, trying to get the message across and then when we are successful he will quieten merely seeking our attention by tapping us on the head every now and then and telling us he loves us a further phase in reassuring himself that we are still there for him this is jordan reaching out across the great divide that lies between his world and ours this concludes chapter five of jordan's pathway the true life story of one boy's journey with autism listen out for our next podcast episode where we bring you chapter six, Questioning Authority. And if you're enjoying Jordan's Pathway, please do find us on Amazon, where the full version of the book is available in Kindle or paperback delivered straight to your door. In the meantime, this is your host, Roland Bush Cavell, wishing you a very good pathway. <laughs>